when you are at absolute rock bottom and when you're stripped of everything, either physically or mentally or both, it feels like garbage in the moment. But the truth is, it's one of the best gifts you can ever be given because you get to choose again. Welcome, everybody, to the Chris Harder Show, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success, knowing that when good people like you make good money, they can then do great things. My name is Chris Harder, and several times per week, I will bring you epic guests, solo episodes, and every single tool, trick, and skill set you need to grow your business, grow your money mindset, and to grow your wealth to levels that you have never reached before. I've ended up in a unique place in life where I've got the experience, the connections, and all of the secrets that it takes to be successful. And I'm lifting the curtain to reveal it all to you in an effort to help put you in a position of abundance so great that you can then be as generous as possible. So let's lock arms and let's get started. And we're back with another episode of He Said, She Said. And we're changing it up a little bit on you guys this week. So our good friends, Brian and Katrina Scott, interviewed us. And we thought this was such a good episode, the way that it turned out. It'd be a cool way for you to learn our backstory. So we sat down at the table. It was both of us couples. We opened up a bottle of wine and she hit record. And you can tell that this is for her podcast on Live Beautifully. But we love the conversation so much that we wanted to share it here as well. Because we don't always share too much of our backstory. And we went pretty deep here. So... After you listen to this episode, number one, I hope that you love it. Number two, be sure to go to her podcast, Live Beautifully. You can find it on Instagram at, at Live Beautifully, or you can just go to anywhere that you listen to your podcast and check out at Live Beautifully because she has some awesome guests and some awesome episodes. I'm so happy that we're doing this over rosé. <laughs> it's the only way to do it. It seems very fitting <laughs> for all of us. Chris and Lori Harder, welcome to the podcast. Thank so excited you. to be is this is this life? We're this actually life. we're it's actually here rosé. with you. So thank you for having us because we're at your house. In our makeshift studio. Yeah. We're at their dining room table. Their home is beautiful. I walked in, I gasped, you guys. And then I walked to the back. Uh, patio and I looked at the pool and I turned around in the kitchen. I looked at Lori and I said, this is so you. Mm -hmm. That is awesome. It's like the ultimate stamp of approval because we watch you guys and think, oh my God, I could have an ounce of that style. Oh, I I did a high kick in your office. (laughs) I walked in and I, and I tried to get my foot as like up to the ceiling as I could because I was so excited for you. I know that you found your way in Scottsdale. Lori and I did an episode before this and we're like, what? brought us here, but there's no coincidences. Mm-hmm. No, there's not. And I know people say it's like things are meant to be, but they totally are. Mm-hmm. And if you don't understand it when you're in the thick of it, you'd understand on the other side. Mm-hmm. Look at my tattoo, right? My tattoo right here says, live as though the universe conspires in your favor. And it was something that it's a butchered Rumi quote, completely butchered. <laughs> and I needed that to keep reframing every single thing that would happen in life, whether it was you know, having an expectation let down, whether I thought I failed at something, I had to be able to train myself to see the silver lining in it. And this is just a small reminder to me to always see the upside of every Mm. possible scenario. Mm -hmm. I feel like that defines you and who you are. And I love that tattoo for you, you guys. I just took a flat lay of it. Um, his arm is laid out on his podcast, And it's going to be on livebeautifully.com. So if any of you want to show it to your tattoo artist, you may do so. <laughs> All right. For anyone that hasn't seen anything from you guys, and it, this could be an hour or it could be a shortened version, whatever you guys want to do. <laughs> but tell, tell everyone how you guys met Jim. Mm-hmm. I mean, what was he doing? What exercise? What's he like? Legs is, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Caps. He was doing neck exercises. (laughs) And then tell me, did you picture yourselves working with each other as soon as you dated? Like, 
First of all, we have two sides of the story, and it's not a brief story, so I don't know how much we, we can make it brief. We can make okay. it brief. And right. I think we need to start with saying we've been married over 18 years in August. Yeah. Known and each other 21 years? Yeah. 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 And, and so we met when she was 21 and I was 24. I got married when she was 24 and I was 27. Mm-hmm. And it's flown by. I don't know how you feel, but I cannot believe how fast 18 years goes, to be honest. I remember we had a set of neighbors when we first moved into one of our houses, and they were married 10 years, and I was like... Oh my God, that's a long time. And we became friends with them. And then 10 years came and I was like, oh shit, it goes by real fast. Whoa. So we met yeah. at a, a gym in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And uh, Lori was the brand new girl at the gym. And when I say brand new, like day one, she had just moved back from a different city. Yeah. In your words, kind of, kind of collect your life. So I had just moved back home in with my parents after being out for a couple years. So I was in a really not good place because I did not want to be moving back home. But just to summarize real quick, I had moved in with roommates. Um, We were all raised in a, all three of us who lived together in a, a really restrictive religion. So when we moved out, it was not a good scene. It was like everybody was out being their most wild selves. And it I was the only one who ended up having a job and they stopped paying the rent and there was lots of parties. They were making keys. There was a lot of drugs in my apartment. It was really bad. And I had to go. I I called my dad. I said, don't tell mom, but things are really, really bad right now. I said, there's strangers who are sleeping in my house and there's drugs and I need to come home. And so I had about six months of that lease left. And I said, but I need to come home and make some money and just get my life together. So it was the last place that I wanted to go was back home because that kind of meant back under my parents' rules. And I had just come from two years of not having that. And so... I think for context, they had, your mom had really strict rules. Really strict rules. Really, really strict. So it was back to like nine o'clock curfew. She wanted me to go back to, you know, church with her all I should be 21 and having a nine o'clock curfew. So I am moved back home. There's not a... I'm still paying me now. That would be great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now I would love it. I would now, love to go to bed at night. She had me out until 2.30 the other night. I was like, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. No, what is this? I don't even know what that hour is. It's terrible. Um, so long story short, I was sleeping in my little brother, who is 14 years younger than me, his room, because there was not a there was not a bedroom for me. And he ended up just sleeping in, like, my parents, my mom's, like sewing room slash little office space. And so I'm in this bed that has this bedroom that has sticky stars on the ceiling, star Wars on the wall and dinosaurs on my headboard that are glowing in the dark. And I'm like, how did I get back here? So I have always known that fitness is kind of my way back to myself. And I was in an ugly place. I was drinking too much. It was just not a good place. And so I joined a gym. And I'm like, the gym is going to be my savior. This is going to be my place, my sanctuary. (laughs) And I go to the gym for the first day. And all of a sudden, I sign up at the front. And the guy um, who's at the, whatever, the um, check-in guy, his name is Al. And he is very, very, very outgoing. And he says to me, I look at him and he says, oh, you have cop eyes. This is my first interaction. As she's checking in. As I'm checking in. And I go, what are cop eyes? And he goes, you can see all the bad things I've been doing. And I'm like, this is really interesting. And this is the only <laughs> gym for me to join, by the way. So I'm kind of like, this is my only, my only saving grace here. So then he's like, I'm like, oh, okay. So I'd already, I'd signed up, but this is my first day working out. And he goes, um, did you know I'm a model? So this was right after this, like immediately after I go, I didn't know. Cause I've never met you. And he grabs a shop co flyer. Big pre Instagram, right? Pre Instagram. So sure enough. That's his body and tiny whiteies, like kind of big belly, but like a ripped belly, you know, like, mm. and, um, I was like, Oh, there you are. Like, there you are. Those tiny whiteies. So I check in, go put my stuff in the locker and come out. And so I'm doing, I'm doing curls and (laughs) yes, this gets me heady. I'm in the mirror. I have my old school headphones on you guys over the top, over the head. They're, they're the wire, like over the ear. I had the Walkman, I had the bell. Oh yes. I did have a CD player at this time. So it was when they just started. Um, and I had it strapped around my waist and this guy comes up to me and taps me on the shoulder and I 
take my, or I put the weights down back on the rack. I'm like, he's literally tapping me on the shoulder, you guys. Mid-set, not me, by the way. Mid-set. I, was, I take not my headphones down, I put the weights down, and he's like, hey. I'm like, hey. He's like, my name's Jake. And he points to his shoulder tattoo that says Jake on it. His, same same his guy? His own name. Totally this different guy. a different guy from the front desk. So this is a different guy. So this is a second guy. <laughs> and so it points to Jake, like as if he forgets his name off and it has to look down at, at his arm. And he, I'm like, hi, Jake. And he goes, do you smoke? Uh, I go, no, I don't. And he goes, no, 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 not cigarettes. Do you smoke weed? I go, no. And he goes, oh, well, would you ever want to go smoke weed with me and my girlfriend after this? And I go, no. <laughs> And so I, he just kind of looks at me puzzled and he's like, okay, like kind of ditzy. And, and Chris knows Jake, so he knows this is very unfar for him. So when I told him the story after, he's like, this is hilarious. <laughs> and so I'm like in the twilight zone at this point. Now, poor Chris is the third guy to essentially hit on me. I'm just a victim of that time. Okay? That's all. Anything special, you guys. This is just what happens when you're in a small town and you're, you know, you look semi-normal, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, so so. We're, we're walking out of the gym and I, of course, noticed her there, but she, by serendipity, she was parked right next to me in the parking lot. So we're walking out kind of side by side, same time. I might have kind of coordinated that. You know, I'm sure it wasn't a coincidence. What were you driving at the time? Oh, God, I don't remember. Probably like a Pontiac Grand Prix or something, right? <laughs> and, uh, was, for, was that my first time? Grand Prix Grand Am. Yeah, I started with a Grand Am, yeah. graduated up to Grand Prix. That's how I was and, in the Yeah, absolutely. Midwest. And, um, so I looked over, it would have been awkward if I didn't look over. So I looked over and I said, hey, are you new here? And that was it. And she looked at me and she goes, yep. No, I don't think and I With did. like the kind of the head snap and just got in her car and closed the door. Yes, you did. I swear to God. I was angry. I have evidence. So she I was like, not another Jake. Right. Just text. So I, I got in my car and I remember <laughs> thinking, I remember thinking, oh, she sucks. <laughs> yeah. I got in my car and I remember thinking, oh, well, she sucks. And I thought that was it. I'll never talk to her again. And a couple of months went by of us seeing each other at the gym and finally at the drinking fountain of all places. I'm so getting a drink school. and I turn around and there's Lori and she uh, felt guilty about how she treated me in the parking lot. Because I watched him and everybody at this gym like loved him. I could tell and he would walk in and people would light up and he was like the mayor. And I was like, oh, okay, this guy, everybody likes this guy. Notice she just admitted guilt about yeah. yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Yes. Anyhow, and she's like, hey, I never got to meet you. And that was the start, uh, you know, 21 years ago of us building this life together. And uh, I friend zoned you hard, though, which was which was great because I got to know you as a friend for like six months. Yes, so. As persistent. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, in these 21 years, um, we have had the craziest ups and the craziest downs mm-hmm. and reset buttons and um, maybe even near divorces. Mm-hmm. And I think what's gotten us through all the different people you become, just think about it from 21 to 24 oh, okay. and then 24 to 27 and then to 30 and 33 and then 30. And 15 different people right? more. You become such different people. You should almost have different names along the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what, what keeps you together is if you choose to grow together because you're not going to stop from changing. Matter of fact, you shouldn't be obligated to stay the same. You should be changing. But as you change, you got to choose to change together. And we've always had this policy. We've always said that we're willing to try it on for size. And what I mean by that is just like trying on an outfit to see if it looks good on you or not. If she brings me a crazy idea or if she wants to be a different person, I'll at least try it on for size before judging it and vice versa. And I think that's what's kind of kept us in the game. Mm-hmm. And there's been so many of those moments that we learn or, or that we have kind of like the, the tough points for try it on for size, I think came from moments where I was doing something different that you were like, what are you doing? Or maybe you do something that I'm like, Oh God, that's not what I expected out of this, where there are these moments in your relationship where, um, you know, someone's going one way that you didn't expect. And communication is like the most, it's the most important part of your relationship, because if you can just talk about it and go, Hey, you know, tell me about why you're interested in that. Like, what am I, Maybe I'm missing something. I want to understand what this means to you. And that's always been, I think, really big for us is to go, why does this, what does this mean to you and why? And then when you understand that, it helps you really get on board with it and go, okay, I don't need to love it. I don't need to even understand it. But if it means this for him or if it means this for me, then I think that I can like let that be whatever, you know? It's interesting. I think over over the, you know, the 18 years married, 
we had when the last recession hit 08, 09, mm-hmm. um, I was in banking and we we're living beyond our means at the time. So I thought all my promotions and all my bonuses would last forever. Oh yeah. When you're young, you're just like, this is all going to be this way. Yeah. You know, I lost my job after spending a year flying around, you know, laying off probably a thousand people one by one by one. And then it became my turn. And I came home and I told Lori, I said, babe, I've got something to tell you. Uh, I lost my job today. And in addition to that, uh, we're going to have to sell this house that we just built and we're going to have to get rid of the cars. We're going to have to get rid of the rental properties. And really we've been living beyond our means. And I was so scared to come home and and tell her that because back then my value was as a provider, you know, the old school idea, like, I'm going to be the male and I'm going to be a good provider. And as long as I give her a, oh, a life where she can be, well, right? Still men still feel that. Yeah. Yeah. I told Lori, basically we're losing everything. I start over. And she was quiet and she took it all in. But instead of blowing up on me or instead of blaming me or instead of doing all that, any of that stuff, I remember the first thing you said, you looked at me after a while of silence and you said, I'm never going to let this happen again. And that really became your launching off point where you became the Lori that people know today. That's when you got into fitness. That's when you got into everything. So I guess if I'm saying anything, to span all those years together, and I'm sure we'll have more ups and downs in our future, hopefully more ups than downs, you just got to be a unit that says, when you're down, I'll get us. And when I'm down, you get us. And you just got to take turns you know, lifting each other up and kicking each other back in the game. Mm-hmm. I'm impressed by how much confidence, like it, you may not have even realized it took mm. to say that, but like you knew you believed in yourself and mm. you were very fortunate to be with a woman who yeah. believed in herself. And back to a couple of things you guys said, like everyone at this table here, there's four of us, we've all been together with our significant other for 20 years plus. Wow. We've been so many different people too. Oh, over the last 20 years. We've had the added benefit of having like a pretty long timeline to experience each other's, you know, different personalities, let's go on different like types. And I think that, you know, when you look back, like, man, we have so much to, you know, be thankful Outside for college graduation and stuff. Like you think about such experience. a rich wow. experience of life together already. Um, and, you know, there's personal and, the, and also business. And I think that's something that we'll talk about today. Yeah. It's just, what's it like working with yeah. that person you've right. known for 20 years. Uh, it's interesting. So it's like working with 10 different people. And there's just one of them. It's so funny <laughs> that you say too, like honoring each other's new things that you're interested in. Because curiosity is so important mm. in life and relationships and what you want to do in the future and playing. Like we need to play yeah. to figure out what fits. And you, it's so crazy to being parents and you see your kids playing all day. Mm. Like, and you're like, when did that stop? Yeah. At what point did someone say, okay, Stop playing, choose one career, choose one thing, you know, and like live with it and never try anything new ever again. And it is so scary. But I remember moving with Brian for the first time. You don't know this story. And I really, really wanted to um, launch toneitup.com. He actually came up with the name, but I was like, I wanted Mm. so many things, but I was embarrassed to have a journal. And I lived with him for the first time that I would actually like hide my journal of like my goals and stuff. Cause I was like afraid that he. It's think it's weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you're in a relationship where you feel like you're going to be judged or whatever. And I, I don't even know if I was afraid of judgment. I just thought like we were moving in together for the first time and he, he got like the tripod and the camera and everything, but I didn't want him to see my goals. Cause I was like, what if it fails Whoa. or, mm-hmm. you know, and we had such a strong bond already, but I think that we all do that where we're a little embarrassed about maybe some of our dreams. Yep. And then I woke up one day and I was like, I'm going to start leaving out and Whoa. see what happens. And you were fine with it. And it was all in my head. Oh, I wasn't snooping around reading that. I, I, I probably thought it was your diary. It was like a notebook of my goals and what I wanted to do for YouTube because mm-hmm. YouTubers knew. But I love what you said because it pulled things out of you that I didn't, I haven't thought about that in so long. But I'm a big journal. Like every, everything that I feel like I've gone through is in a journal. Um, but I was so embarrassed. It's like someone find your diary. Yeah, I was totally. like keys. I should add a key. It's totally. It's the, it's the, this is who you think you are. Mm-hmm. It's that moment. It's the reveal. It's like, 
wait, so you think you can do this. Mm-hmm. And it's like the opt-in of when you share that, having your partner go, you know, even if at first you're like, okay, you know, I've had moments where maybe it's like somebody in your life says they can do, or they think they can do something. And your response should, you should work on it right now to have it be great. How can I support you? I see this in you for sure. This is interesting when Lori, so back to that timeline, when I'm like, Hey babe, we're losing everything. She's like, Hey, this will never happen again. She got into fitness. She started to do really well right away in the beginning. And, and that lit a fire in her. And I remember she's like, I want to really take this serious. I really want to get covers. I really want to do all these things that she ended up doing. And there was this moment, this inflection point, talk about like proclaiming your goals and will your partner support you or not. There was this inflection point where I would tell her, now remember, we're starting over financially. So money's a stress. Mm -hmm. I would tell her, babe, go for it. Babe, yes, babe, I support you. But then my actions went back it up. So when she would go buy a whole bunch of chicken and a whole bunch of fresh produce and come home with a great big grocery bill, I would complain about it and, and like borderline harass her about it. Uh, or when she would have to buy one of these, you know, $18 trillion bikinis for a stage. By the way, it is expensive. It's an expensive. And and I was this major point of resistance for her through my actions. Yeah. And she sat me down and this is one of the best things that she's ever done. She sat me down. She said, all right, listen, this is not working. She said, you tell me that you want me to do this. You tell me you want me to go for it. You tell me you want me to get the covers and all this. And I really believe I can, but then all you do is complain when I spend the money or when I have to go to this thing or buy this bikini. And she looked at me and she said, so tell me now, are you either in and we're going to do this or are we quitting right now? You decide, are you in, do you support this or are we quitting? And my immediate visceral answer was, oh, we're in. Like I actually meant it that we're in and I didn't realize that my actions were holding her back. And until you sometimes sit down, you know, first you proclaim your dreams, but then sit down and stand up for them the way she did. And that's not easy to do to your partner sometimes. Had you not done that, who knows what would have happened? I can't live. And I, and I think people are probably listening, feeling it right now. Like I can't live with the mixed messages like the. And for me, it was if there's something in your life that's really holding you back. And I, I wanted him. I wanted him bought in. So it was a moment of me having to actually face off with myself. And go, uh, I, I mean, what, what you didn't know is I was having a moment with myself going, I have to believe in me. Like, this is the moment for me that I, I'm going to believe that this can happen. And I'm going to, you know, I have to bring this to you and say, I'm going all in. This is going to be what we're going to do. And we're, we either have to both be all in or we have to be all out because I can't live halfway anymore. Yeah. And the halfway life gets you halfway results, which aren't results at all. And I think those were the moments in our life where, by the way, the the stories you're hearing are like, if you're in a rock bottom, I think it's the most powerful place you can be. When everything that you thought was going to be gets ripped away from you, I think that's when your ultimate like purpose gets to come out and you get the opportunity to, to choose to become the person you got sent here to be. And I think that that is what that was for us. Um, when I lost, when I lost that career, um, I was working for the world's largest bank, maybe the most important era of our life, right? Because this is when all this was going on. We were becoming, taking all these different detours, right? And when, so I was one of the fastest rising executives at the world's largest bank and I thought it was going to last forever. Hence the whole like spending next year's money and all that kind of thing. And when I lost that career, I thought my life was over as a man. Like oh, I, I was, uh, I would have been 29 at the time. Oh, isn't that so crazy? Yeah. You're like, oh, I'm so old. There's yep. nothing left for me. I'm supposed yep. to have it all figured out. There is so much pressure on men. Uh, there's so much pressure on men and women. Men, we like bury it down. Like we're supposed to be strong. Yeah. There's pressure on women, but we, we've, we vocalize it. There's groups. There's yeah. all these things. We have podcasts about it, but men, you know. Yeah. And we're supposed to be macho or something. Well, I remember I, I was stripped of my identity. So my identity at the time was what was my title? What was my next promotion? And how many people do I, do I lead? And I stripped of my identity. I stripped of my purpose. I was stripped of what I thought was important being a quote provider. And I felt like an absolute loser, like a, like a shell of a partner to Lori. And I remember having so much insecurity around, is she even going to want to? be with me going forward. Cause I had no plan. I didn't know what I was going to do next. Mm-hmm. You know, my only experience is banking in a banking recession. And if you remember back then, it was like the end of the world, you know what I mean? Yeah. 
So the thing about where I'm trying to, to, to bring this is when you are at absolute rock bottom and when you're stripped of everything, either physically or mentally or both, it feels like garbage in the moment. But the truth is, it's one of the best gifts you can ever be given because you get to choose again. You don't get to choose again when you got momentum. You don't get to choose again when everything's going your way. You don't get to choose again when you're stuck on the freeway and you're going, you know, 80 miles an hour. But when you're forced to sit out and you're stripped of everything, you get to choose again. I remember saying, how do I want to add value this time? How do I want to show up this time? What do I really want to do that would make me happy this time? And it's just, you got to look back at those moments. And and if you're going through it right now, you got to understand you're going to look back on this moment and it's going to be a gift. Not going to last forever. I think we have a, te- a teaser for the episode right there. <laughs> you guys, we're pouring another glass of wine, but when we first got here, Brian, of course, like he's an inspector. You can hear the wine pouring. Um, and he was just like looking at the beams of the ceiling and looking at the hardware and um, trying to solve any problems they have. Like, oh, if you want to do this, you can actually sandblast that. <laughs> and then he like, oh, let me look at the fridge. And he's like, is this what you guys eat? And then he went in the pantry. <laughs> oh we have God. no time here. No, we you do. I see uh, salted roasted pistachio. <laughs> Where are you from? Where are you born? New, New Hampshire. Hampshire. Okay, so this is called, this is like Midwest love. When, so you know that you are in the inner circle when you walk into someone's home and you go in their fridge and you look at their pantry <laughs> and you see how they live. And that is literally, it, it is the sign that you are like, like yeah. in the circle. It just made me, it made me so happy. If you're wondering like, how they live, they drink a lot of fluids and I don't know if they eat, there's but more, DoorDash. There's more dog food. And, and fuel for those puppies than there yeah. is for you guys. We're really working on it, you guys. Yeah. No, it's a thing for us right now that we are trying, trying to get DoorDash. back to healthy, which actually when we do order DoorDash, it's usually healthy. Ish. But yeah. um, we're working really hard to try to get back to that. Actually, we're not working. We bought an air fryer and it's been sitting there for a month. Yeah. She's using it tonight. I bought yeah. an air fryer that was, and I did it on Amazon. So that wasn't very hard. So yeah. <laughs> talk to me about that time. And 2007, well, we're going into a recession mm-hmm. and a lot of people, especially men in relationships will feel shame. Mm-hmm. How did you sit with your shame and how did you come out of it? Because shame is such a mm-hmm. horrible feeling, especially for men who don't talk about, meaning you know, suicide rates are higher for men. Um, men don't share about their feelings or if they're actually thinking about ending their life and it is, it is a problem. And it's going to be even greater over the next couple of years. It's interesting. And I just got done saying I was totally stripped of my identity and, and felt like a shell of a partner and had no value. And I was afraid that she was going to leave me and add to that. I had gained like 30 pounds at a time. So I didn't even feel like a sexy partner. Like, I mean, literally rock bottom. Mm-hmm. But did you also feel like maybe you had something to live for because you had her? You, you, know what? you know, what's interesting. The fact that, she was like, I'm never going to let this happen again. And then started taking all this action. I felt like this feeling that she had my back and she was going to carry us for a while. And it almost gave me permission to take some time to figure out how I want to show up again. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you asked about what I do, who did I talk to? I didn't have the type of friends that you talked to about this stuff back mm-hmm. then. It was just like bros. And, um, Add to that, this was probably, what, 12, 13, 14 years ago. So it wasn't even widely talked about for no. men. Yeah, in, in the Midwest, it was not. There weren't podcasts. There weren't anything like that. looking at your feelings. Yeah. yeah. And so I was probably in a dangerous position because I didn't have many people to talk to about these things. But I remember this is when I found self-development. There was some kind of event coming to town. And one of my coworkers had been before. And he's like, hey, this thing's coming to town. You should go to it. And I remember thinking, why would I go to something like that? Even though I'm hurting inside, right? And I brought it home and I told Lori, and you know what's funny? I wonder why I told you. Subconsciously, I must have wanted it. So I remember the story. I was asking for it because I was my panic attacks were getting so bad that I was starting to not want to be around people. I so I started getting so socially, um, so much social anxiety that before we would go out with anyone, I was I hate to even say this, but I was drinking four or five beers, literally, before we would go to dinner with people. And then at dinner, I would drink like four or five more drinks. Mm -hmm. And what's sad is this was kind of socially acceptable in Wisconsin at the time. Mm -hmm. 
And so my coping mechanisms were so bad and I had such big dreams that I knew that these were not working well together. So, um, and I wanted to be a speaker. I wanted to be out in the world, but my anxiety and panic attacks had gotten to a point where they were debilitating. So I'd asked Chris, I said, I don't know who to ask, but would you just go to work? Because I, I'd never been in corporate America. Like I never even knew what that looked like. I said, would you just ask around your office? Anybody knows if there's like a therapist or an event or something I could go to. So you started asking about it and your coworker told and you. And the most unlikely guy, like of everybody in the office, the guy that would get drunk and naked at, at their office. So I'm telling you, it's so funny that the people that change your life are the ones that you don't expect. So I asked around and I, he's the guy you think would make fun of you for asking. He's like, dude, I got it. You got to go to this thing it's called Landwork Forum and, and it's coming to town. And so I came home and I told Lori and she said, we're going. And I remember tickets were 600 bucks a person back then. Wow. And a lot of money. We wow. thought it might as well have been six grand a person. Oh, yeah. Like, to us, that was a ton of money back then. So never been to self-development, have to spend this money on these tickets. And I went and I remember thinking, and I'm not proud of this, but if you've ever been to something like this, you know, people take turns, get up on the mic and they share their problems. I remember thinking, oh my God, these people have so many problems. I'm glad I'm not like them. Now, remember, I'm riddled with problems. This is like me in denial, me just being your typical guy. And um, I went from judging everybody that first day to the third day having so many breakthroughs and such a different perspective on life and learning things like nothing has any meaning other than the meaning that you apply to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the concept of stories, you know, building stories around things and, and uh, you find evidence to support what you want to believe. All these things are fundamentals of how we live today. I wouldn't have found that without going there that weekend. And that became the tipping point for me, just wanting to go all in and find as much self-development as possible. So the short answer to your question would be now this stuff is readily available. Back then there weren't podcasts. Mm-hmm. There weren't as many books. You couldn't access, they weren't accessible on audio, right? It's not like, um, it wasn't prevalent for men to talk about this stuff the way it is today. Today, there are a lot more choices. So if someone's hurting, if somebody feels like they've been stripped of their identity, someone's scared, go seek all of these different modalities to dive into some form of self-development until you find the one that fits you. I just, I, I feel like if we can offer anything from now being old, yeah. <laughs> it is that those are the moments that really have made us with, without those moments, we would have never gotten to deepen our relationship, gotten to like find these things that you're, you're not seeking the stuff that changes your life until these things happen. And so if anybody is sitting in it right, right now, like I believe those are the gifts they just are. They're, they're, they're the tipping points that make you do things you would never do. They're the things that make you go and seek people and, and like figure out these skills in your marriage and how to communicate that you would never normally need. Um, so those are kind of my favorite parts about our marriage and just friendships and relationships are those moments that are like, what now? <laughs> never thought I'd see ourselves here. Well, it's interesting that you were struggling with your panic attacks, which I only started having those within mm. the last couple of years. And if any of you have never had a panic attack, it's like you, the world feels like it's ending yeah. and you cannot move your body. And you were looking for something and you gave him permission as mm. a male to ask a male colleague if there was something happening mm. and he had a breakthrough all weekend. Interesting. And he wouldn't have gone through that. It was nope. like giving permission to each other as a couple is so important in a way that maybe if you express your needs, the other person may need it even more. Yeah. Wow. And you don't even know. Oh, that's so cool. I'm also a big believer now. When you express your needs to other people, you're actually giving them a chance to use their gifts. Yes. If you if you hold it all in, if you don't ask for help, if if you don't express your needs, you're actually robbing people around you mm-hmm. that could feel value. Like people have a chance to add value. You're robbing them of that opportunity. This is such a theme though. Is this came up on our podcast that Kat and I just recorded before this is the the closest relationships I have in my life is because one of the parties came to the person and was vulnerable and mm-hmm. said, I either need this or, you know, this is where I'm at, or can you come help me this weekend on this project? Like those were the moments that have made my best friends is because we had to lean on each other so hard. Like one of my best friends was created, Lindsay Schwartz was because we were doing an event together, but during the event, my dog died while I was not home. 
And she saw me in the most horrendous. I, I don't have children. This is my first dog. It happened while I was away. It was like our child. Yeah. You want to talk about a funny full circle thing? So Lori's away at this event, can't come back. I have to put the dog down. Who mm-hmm. comes to spend the day with me? Brian. I don't know if you remember this or not. That was like, a rough day. Um, we didn't even know each other that no, at no. that point, but for whatever reason, I just... So he and you know, yeah. so my question is, because this proves my point, because I'm bonding with one of my best friends while I'm gone and you're with him. Did you feel like you guys got way closer because oh, yeah. you got through a hard time? Before? Absolutely. For sure. For sure. For sure. That, that became yeah. the bond. That became the foundation right there. You know? And letting... You, Chris, see, or like letting Brian see, see you in that really vulnerable time is like what makes relationships. Yeah, so true. the things that we think will make relationships are actually not. It's like the moments when someone can lean on you and someone needs you. It's almost to me, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but an honor for someone to call and ask for help. Oh, yes. And sure. it's like, wow, they trust me with this. Yes. I'm, I'm in, what do you need? And you, you drop everything because you're like, I, I'm going to do this because this person actually really cares about me, obviously, Mm -hmm. because they want me to come into their most, you know, their darkest moment. It's it's maybe the highest honor Mm -hmm. to have somebody trust you in in their time of need. Right. Lori taught me something a long time ago. I feel like I learned all my best things from Lori. There's a key to a good thing. Yeah. So <laughs> Her love language is words of affirmation. Yes. Is it? Yes. Oh, you write me a card, I will cherish that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if I, if I get her a physical gift, she's like, eh. Like, mm, what's this? Well, yeah. I mean, I'll take a, I'll take a No, gift. where I got her was our wedding vows. So, like, oh. I had just met her, and a couple months later, I, I went to Australia for, like, a study abroad semester and, and all that. And I had a journal, probably because I saw you journaling or something. <laughs> and I actually wrote, um, like, someday I'm going to marry you and, like, put all these things out in the world. And then read the journal entries. Like, oh, I had written my vows five minutes before I walked on the aisle. <laughs> Brian wrote his vows 10 years before. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Anywho, that's for another episode. Now I'm going to ask about your love language. I love the dichotomy between the two of you. I think, you know, we're the same way. This is the mark of of a good partnership. You said that, you know, you had fun and you partied and he was, like, extra good. You know, back when you first met. (laughs) You're the type to write your vows five minutes before. So am I. He wrote them 10 years earlier. Yeah. (laughs) It was intentional. <laughs> those, are the, those are the relationships that were good. Yeah, it's a completely side random thought, but people always ask, hey, you know, how do I find a partner like Lori? How do I find a partner like so-and-so? The truth is you don't find somebody like how we are now. You find somebody that you have a few common mm-hmm. foundational things in common with, right? Ours was fitness, working out, and we were both big dreamers. Mm-hmm. And then somebody who also has extreme opposites of you instead of trying to find a perfect match because it's those opposites that makes the other person interesting and they have something to add to your value, to, to your life, right? They, they kind of fill your gaps. And they pull things out of you. Yes. That you wouldn't have that necessarily. Wouldn't have. He wouldn't yes. dance. And then now he's like oh. the life of the party dancing, mm-hmm. little happy feet. <laughs> That's the beautiful part of a relationship is that you can also complement each other and your qualities and then pull things out of each other that you didn't necessarily see yourself. And so, and that's such a nice thing about you guys is like you, one of your greatest qualities is you see someone and their potential, Mm -hmm. you know, if things push you down, you having a partnership or a friend or anything that's so important in, in friendships too. Mm -hmm. So thank you guys for being those people for us. You know how you run parallel lives and it's like you're, you guys are living your life over here and we're over here. And sometimes once in a while we intersect, but our journeys haven't intersected a lot, but at the same time, we're on the same, on the same road. And what's so, what's funny is like, I have these people in my head and you're one of these people and couples who have always inspired me along the way. And bar setters. Yeah, definitely bar setters. Like you guys set the bar on what, you know, even, even relationship wise, I just, I feel like you guys have been out there and the importance of you and being vulnerable and showing what's going on in your lives and just in your business and, and being, I don't know, just, I feel like 
I feel like you've been showing the journey and been fully you. And I think that that has been just like so inspiring knowing you guys. I've got a great tangible example. First time you guys had us over for dinner in your beautiful Manhattan beach home. Oh, I so remember my favorite house. I got there and I was watching Brian be the ultimate, like the ultimate host, the ultimate cook, the ultimate decorator, the ultimate everything. And I left, you know, I don't know if you remember in the car, I'm like, Oh, I got to fucking step it up. Yeah. And I was like, you're a piece of shit. Yeah. I was like, I'm seriously, it was a wake up call. It was a wake up call. We talked about it. Love language is entertaining though. Oh, I could appreciate that. And also after being married for this long, like so appreciate the things that you do and your unique gifts for not like not doing that. I'm like, that's not his own of genius. He'll never be that. So I'm not going to like hold him. I'm not going to hold him to that whatsoever because I don't want him to go to something and hold me to something. And I'm like, Hey, you know what, Chris? Love me for me. Yeah, did you see what she was doing? Yeah. <laughs> did you see how dressed up she got? I was like, uh-uh, don't. Uh-uh. Brian got the nickname of dad in college by his mm-hmm. own roommates. Oh, wow. Because he was not only setting, making sure everyone has, was having a good time and the doors were locked and not getting in trouble. He lived with the basketball players, but he... He took them in and read a bedtime stories. Yeah, it was <laughs> like, do your dishes, you guys. Wash your... Ahead, wash your... They were... Uh, they were all athletes, so like wash your clothes. Right. It smells in here. Um, no, he should have been an RA. He was basically an RA with a bunch of athletes that he and he was like the guy studying management at Bentley. And so and they would all be like, Oh, dad. And I when I first started dating him, I'm like, Oh, that's funny. And then all my girlfriends, without knowing that, we didn't mix and mingle friends yet, all were like, Hey dad, because he was like, he's phone, wallet. Do you have your purse? Making sure we're all taking it. Yeah. And then like, are you hungry? Yeah. Is your, is your glass filled? Like, do you need anything? His love language is making sure that everyone in the room is taken care of, but also safe. Acts of service. And protected. Yes. Oh my goodness. So is your love acts of service? Do you like that? I just love receiving it. (laughs) Well, there's, there's the love language. You can feed me, babe. No, I think the love language is actually helping other people. Like, you get so much out of particularly helping women like experience mm-hmm. their yeah. best most confident self that is I love nothing more that. than seeing my friends thrive and feel mm. powerful like mean, names of po- like we were on a walk I distinctly yeah. remember this and mm-hmm. she's like what should I name this podcast I'm like duh it's like name it what your mission is mm. the emotion you want your listeners to feel you want them to live beautifully mm-hmm. whatever that means oh my god i and love like, my oh, girlfriends no. feel beautiful mm-hmm. like there's nothing better i just want to be i just want to set up photo shoots actually i'm doing it so i'm good yeah just inviting myself come because we're doing a whole content shoot and i told my sister-in-law who's a photographer katie scott catherine scott photography shout out um it makes it feel like, i think she's yeah. so katie dean on instagram no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And whatever your Instagram, you that's a really I She's in my phone still at Beans, but she married um Brian's brother and now her sister, which is amazing. Oh, and I like, love them. like, do you want to set up a shoot? But like, how fun to help with hair and makeup and make people feel so beautiful. We are so thrilled around that. It's just, it's nice. Mm-hmm. I would, I would love to be. I don't know, maybe the future would be on the other side of the camera and help women in all ways, like not only feeling beautiful on the outside, but on the inside. So just think about what you were doing back in college. Like when we met, like you were like head trainer at the gym at Keene State. And you were also where every one of your girlfriends would go to get ready and have their makeup, their hair, their clothing, all figured out before like going to the railroad bar. Shout out to the railroad. <laughs> so yeah. cool. to go out with like a wet head. They just <laughs> got out of the shower. I'm like, let's, let's blow out your hair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just want everyone to feel pretty and feel confident and smart. And, and monetize that. If you can monetize doing what you love, and helping other people. Mm-hmm. That's the formula. And people get stuck. They choose jobs. They choose income sources saying, well, you know, I don't really think you could monetize X, Y, and Z here. Oh, I feel, I feel guilty charging for X, Y, and Z. And then they get stuck. They get stuck in a job they don't want to be doing. They get stuck in a salary that they are, are totally misaligned. 
if people would only say the way you were so passionately, oh, I just want to help people feel beautiful and do this and that, and make that their career at the same time, that's, that's a win-win for everybody. Money is an act of faith. You put money up and you say, I am putting, it's money where, you know, put, put your, your mouth is. It? yeah, put money where your mouth is. It literally says, I'm gambling this. I'm putting this down because I believe this is where I'm meant to be. This is what we're meant to do. And I'm going to put this here. It's, it is literally putting your, it's putting your flag in the ground. I've, I've got examples of where we spent money where we never should have. But it worked out because it was an act of faith and demonstrating abundance. Buying those two $600 tickets when we were completely starting over financially. Matter of fact, so I got a big severance package. We had to use all of it to pay off debt. Still had debt left over. We sold, we had just built this great big house that we had to short sell. I like to say I made short selling cool because I did it before everybody else was doing it. And um, we had to sell all of our furniture on Craigslist that we had just just furnish the house with, right? Just by. So one by one, cars would pull up in front of the house and people would come into the home. They'd bargain for the couch. They'd bargain for the TV. They'd bargain for whatever. Pennies on a dollar. Yeah. Pennies. But here's what happened. We had just enough cash by doing that to prepay one year's lease on this really expensive condo building down in uptown Minneapolis at the time. Now, the condo that we got in there was a mother-in-law suite. Literally, it was somebody's extra unit from their unit upstairs. This was downstairs. Mm -hmm. They put it up for lease. And I was able to prepay one year's lease on that so we could have the runway to reinvent ourselves and figure out how are we going to make our comeback. And there would have been better places for me to put that money. There would have been textbook smarter places for me to put that money than prepaying that place. We could have stayed in a, a much cheaper apartment or condo. But I knew that that place was going to inspire us. I knew that place was going to make us feel abundant. I knew that there were going to be connections and people in that place mm -hmm. that gave us ideas and helped us with our comeback. And guess what? There were like shout out to Nick Larson still to this day. Mm -hmm. He owned a hedge fund. He's like 27 with a hedge fund. And he's like, oh, let me teach you really about money and how it works. I wouldn't have known Nick and gotten those lessons without fighting our way into that Vicinity. building that we should have been. And so whether it's a ticket to an event or whether it's a certain place that you feel like you need to live or whether it's a plane ticket to New York to do the interviews, got to be in it and around. sometimes it. you have to make these, quote, irresponsible demonstrations of abundance to stick your flag in the ground and say, here's where I'm going or here's what I need. Mm -hmm. And it'll absolutely pay dividends when you when you do those brave things. Yeah. I just want to share one more because yeah. when... Um, we had started making some money with network marketing, but we were by no means doing great whatsoever. And I wanted to host women's events and oh, yeah. also do like personal development, women's events. Um, I, yeah, the main thing was doing events. I wanted to, I, I was going to a lot of personal development events at the time. And I wanted to give that back to other women. And I believed in them so wholeheartedly because of what it had done for us. And um, I wanted to learn how to do them and I hadn't heard of anybody teaching how to do them. And I, um, loved Jack Canfield all, all uh, at the time and he had done chicken soup for the soul. I don't know if you've ever heard of yes, him, but he, I had subscribed to all of his emails and he had sent an email out that said train the trainer. And he was only taking 70 people for this train the trainer. And if you, if you took this course, you would learn how to put on events and be able to take people through meditations and workshops. You were and definitely like, a first mover in that. I was a, mm -hmm. I was yeah. definitely a first mover. Yeah, you were. <laughs> and, um, which is brave. So he sent this out and I was like, this is me. I, I need to like know how to train these people. Oh my God, I want to do meditation. I want to do all these things. And so I click on it. I'm, I'm bought in. I'm reading the email. I'm like, I'm doing this. I was so committed. I click on the link to see how much it is. $25,000. No, I know oh, yes. where I was at the moment. I was in Santa Monica. I was in Palisades Park. I was on a run. And for some reason, like, I, I think I had my like dings on for my email or something. I don't know why I looked at it. Maybe I stopped because I was tired. I have no idea. And I was reading this email and I was like, <gasps> I knew I had to do it. We didn't have the money. Yep. Did not have the money. She was so scared to tell me. And I tell him and I'm like, 
I'm going to do this. I committed the moment I read the email and I saw the price. I'm like, I'm doing this. By the way, she didn't ask. I didn't ask. She informed me. And I mean that in a positive way. (laughs) Yeah. Here's the thing. There are people listening who are like, you either know or you don't. Yeah. You either know or you don't. And I knew, and I knew that if I did this, that the, the, I don't, I don't know where this came from, but I don't know if this quote like literally came from this moment, but it's something that I say all the time, like, because it's, it's who I am and how I have to be. Um, you have to put so much on the line that your higher self is forced to come out. This was my first moment of putting so much on the line that my higher self had to come out and become the woman who could either make this much money and live into this, that it like, it's ridiculous thinking about it. We did not have 25K. We did not have 5K, but we put it on a credit card. I went. I have never been more scared at an event in my entire life. The whole thing, I felt like fraud through the whole thing. But at the same time, it was like, this is what you do to become the person that you know you're meant to be. So um, that was a, that was a huge thing for us. That was a huge leap of faith. That was the moment when money became very real, like as in money became this, like, put your money where your mouth is. And if I put this money down, this means that I have to show up as the person who I need to become, who I need to be to make this happen. And that was, that was a huge moment for me. And I also want to make sure we enroll everybody, right? Cause yeah, the example was a $25,000 example, which is a good, powerful one. And then, you know, we had the example of the $600 tickets and the example of prepaying the, the one year lease by selling all of our purchase on Craigslist. Your question originally that kind of brought some of those stories out was what can somebody do? And the point of those answers was, well, you can get brave and, and stick your stake in the ground. But I also want to address people that are like, I don't have $5. Access to self-development, access to business knowledge, access to learning has never been easier or a lower barrier of entry than it is right now. Like right now, kudos to all of you listening to this podcast because it's free to listen to the podcast for the most part, as long as you have internet and you can get so much value. You can, you can learn everything you need to learn. Mm -hmm. You can get all the inspiration you need to get. Mm -hmm. All of the podcast hosts can be your accountability partner, metaphorically speaking, to kick you back in the game when you need it. But you got to be intentional. You got to download it every day. You got to hit play every day. You got to do it when you don't feel like it. You got to build in your schedule and you got to be consistent about it. Our goal this year is to listen to multiple podcasts every day. Mm-hmm. And I love your, um, what is it called? The Power Nine. Yeah. So share right. share that with Brian. Power Nine is three things you're grateful for, three things you're excited about, and three things that you're manifesting. For the day. For the day. And we do it out loud to each other. Mm-hmm. So it's not like we're secretly saying it. Non-negotiable. Non-negotiable. So we go for our morning walk, which is also non-negotiable. And... I, I got to be like real. Most of the time we don't feel like doing it. Either we're still groggy or we already had a mini argument or the dog's pissed on the floor or who knows what. Something mm-hmm. has already happened, I guarantee so, you. Yeah. So um, we don't feel like it most of the time. But one of us will always say, all right, come on, time for the power nine. Yeah. And there's almost anger sometimes as a reaction out of the other person. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, we do it. And by the, just by the end of doing that simple thing, 18 statements, right? Nine from me, nine from Lori. Takes about 10 minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Changes everything. It changes our perspective. It changes our mood. It changes our feeling. It's guys doing the right things that'll propel you forward. They're not difficult in, in, in terms of executing. They're actually quite simple things to do. Yeah. Getting yourself to do them is the difficult part. Yeah. But if you would just take that extra step and do the rather simple things on a consistent basis, you'd be amazed and how it changes everything. Mm-hmm. It's so good to hear that there are days, most days that you don't want to do it mm-hmm. because everyone has their shit, mm-hmm. <laughs> pun intended, like a dog that takes poop out of a litter box, for example, smears <laughs> <laughs> around that, or a baby. <laughs> yeah. There's always going to be that. I mean, we all just have so much stuff, but if you have your non-negotiable and a good partnership is where one of you says we got to go. So there's mm-hmm. always, you know, and if you're on your own right now, you've got to do it. And mm-hmm. we, we can be your people to make sure that you do it and we can hold you accountable too. But if you, if you do that every day, it could change your life. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we're going to start doing it. We'll check in with you guys. And you're not going to feel like it. We're going to be annoyed. We'll check you. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. 
little side note, we were sucking boogers an eight month old nose uh, every two hours for the last probably 48 hours. Uh, so that is like, just we don't want to do it. And like, how are we going to talk about the power of nine? Would be yeah. kind of sick job. Yeah. And like Coffee. literally I'm so grateful I get to suck boogers out of this baby because we mm-hmm. dreamed of this baby. That's oh, how okay. sometimes our power nine starts. Yeah. I'm like, I'm so glad I got to clean shit off the couch this morning because I wanted this second dog so badly. And, and that's sometimes how they start. It's, it's yeah. funny because, you know, you mentioned you're sucking boogers out of your baby, for, you know, every two hours and, and it's not fun. It's hard to be, have gratitude in that moment. But then you got to remember there's always, and I'll just use ourselves as an example. Lori and I are trying to have a baby and it's been a very long journey and we wish we could suck boogers out of a baby right now. We wanted to talk about this and thank you guys for, obviously we checked in before we started recording mm-hmm. to be able to talk about this and you haven't, right? We haven't talked oh, about this at all wow. publicly, period. No, you guys, this is it. This is Living beautifully, but living messy, living sad and living heartbroken, but pulling yourself through. And I'd love to talk to you guys a little bit about, you know, your fertility journey. Lori, you're talking about you spend so many years trying not to get pregnant. You really do. And I, I, um, you know, it's interesting. I, I, there, there's so much you guys around getting pregnant and around being even with a, with your partner and just all the things having children. Like I come from a really religious background and a restrictive religious background. So I think there's a lot of things even around sexuality for women that are a lot. And I think with our fertility journey, I just haven't shared it at all because the whole conversation for me has been like, should it be sacred? Should it be shared? Should it be, there's just a lot, there's a lot of pressure on the whole conversation. And so when Chris and I first started um, trying to have children, I just, I just immediately for me, because I spent so much of my life trying not to get pregnant, I was like, well, I'm going to get pregnant right away. That was going to be easy. I just, I, um, I'm going to think about it and I'm going to be pregnant. And uh, for those of you listening, I'm 42. I don't feel 42. I think I'm 35. I think I'm 30. I don't really know. Age starts to become like you guys know. Stops mentally at a certain age. Yeah. Yeah. So Chris and I stopped at 16 for me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, Chris and I, because we went through what we went through financially, I think that we, um, you know, and me coming from parents who had, who had gone bankrupt and then also us losing all of our money and all of our things for me, finances were really big and they were really important. Um, I, I didn't want to have a child, um, come into a household that ever thought about money. I wanted, I wanted money to be a conversation about energy and what was possible. Meaning I don't want that to sound too woo woo, like around, I wanted money to be a, a, A a, a positive thing. I wanted it to be looked at as something that was very possible for them and something that was a part of our everyday conversation. And so for us, we spent a lot of time healing our past and focusing on our businesses and making sure that we felt really solid. I didn't want my child to come into a household that felt uncertain about abundance. And so for us, we put a lot of our career first. And there could be a lot of anyone who is maybe thinking of putting it on hold or whatever that looks like, you know, for Chris and I, we waited. So we waited a while. And so I think when we, when we found out after deciding we, or after deciding we wanted to try to get pregnant and then realizing we couldn't right away, because we tried for about three years naturally and we just did not get pregnant. And I was like, how is this possible? You guys, I'm a bit like spiritual as well. I was doing all the things like, oh, this is the night. I'm going to get pregnant. This house is going to be, God told me the sun and the moon and the stars and they're all aligned. This is going to be how it is. And I just really thought that if I thought about it and manifested it and really just, I felt like there were some moments I felt it. Like I really thought I was pregnant and it didn't happen for us. And so there's some disappointment in there. There's some like, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with my body? And I, I tried not to go there as much as possible. And so for you and I, there might've been a little guilt around, did we wait too long? And you have to cast all those stories inside. It's interesting because you know, she mentioned she's 42 and 45. So there is some of that guilt around, um, did, oh, wait, yeah. did, did we miss our window? Did, did we yeah. screw this up? And it's interesting perspective. I don't think I've said this to you, but I watch you beat yourself up, almost like you're taking the blame for it. 
when my perspective is, it's ridiculous because it could be as much me as, as it is you. And you know, it's funny, both been a doctor and both of us individually are fine. So you never know like what's at play or what's at work. I'm just attached to having a family. So that's, that's my only outcome. I, I'm not attached to what it looks like or, or how we get there or anything like that. I'm just attached to the outcome being that we have a family because I love making memories. I'm like, especially lately, ever since my dad passed away a couple of years ago, unexpectedly, it's accelerated my yeah. try oh, yeah. to be a memory maker yeah. for the family. It's my favorite thing to do now. So I think there's some some healthy perspective to not being attached to how, but instead just being attached to one way or another making it happen. Um, but all that being said, and I believe that when I say that, the other day when we found out, oh, there's another round of embryos that you know aren't healthy enough to, to move forward, it was the first time I thought, oh, shit. I might not literally be able to carry my DNA on. Mm -hmm. And that was a really sad day. That was a, that was a hard one to digest. We won't ever, we may not ever know what you and I could make together. And that's okay. Yep. But we're also not going to give up trying. Mm -hmm. What you make together has nothing to do with your blood. Mm -hmm. And it has everything to do with your heart. It's Mm -hmm. true. And nothing will make what you went through make you feel better. Mm-hmm. And what I'm saying to you doesn't make it okay. You can be mad. But I will tell you just from our experience, when you grow your family and you meet whoever it is that comes into your family, however they come into this world, when you meet them and it's their birthday or their adoption day, or however you guys end up deciding, it all makes sense. Yeah. And you cannot even imagine it any other way. And when you're in it, it sucks. You don't deserve it. It's horrible and it's dark and it's why is this happening? Um, but I will promise you right now mm. is that years from now, it'll be, it was always supposed to be them. Mm. Colette is our daughter and big god she's she's ours it's it you was that always supposed every to be day her. like every time we look yeah. at her almost like we're almost you're great Brian's great. we love her so much you guys she's our rainbow she's our angel and like and it makes you realize so when you look at something that you love so much and you know this through any anything that you go through and you look at something and you love them more than anything you could ever possibly imagine. All the pain that led you to that moment actually makes sense. Mm. And you can make sense of it, which is wild. But if, and, and you will get there, however that looks. Mm-hmm. And there are ways to grow your family, whatever it is, you will, you will look back at this and go, Oh. And we, and we talk about that too, where we're mm-hmm. like, oh, we sacrificed too many years on our career. Or we waited too long or we thought we were 35 when we we're 40. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you can always look back, but you have to move forward. And, um, and we're here for you mm-hmm. and all your feelings are valid, mm-hmm. but you guys are going to be the most incredible parents in so many ways i almost feel like you guys are also parents to us in little ways where you just pick us up so um it's gonna be really cool yeah and it's gonna and i can't wait to look back and go hey remember that and then when you look at them in the eyes you're gonna go oh Mm. it was always supposed to be you Mm. i believe that you know we opened the the podcast with my tattoo here that says the Brazilian universe conspires in your favor and, and it applies here, you know, an hour or whatever it is later, universe conspires in your favor. Like all this is happening for us for some reason. It's part of the plan and, and uh, we just have to, to execute on it, you know? Sure. Came full circle. Mm-hmm. I actually love that. I didn't go through any of my questions that I, <laughs> but we're going to have to do many part, like a whole series of us sitting down for wine at a dining yeah, table and talk through things. Brian's still crying. I literally just love, I love everyone here. That's all. (laughs) Everyone listening, we love you. Um, Where can everyone find you guys? Um, Podcasts mostly. Earn Your Happy Podcast and Chris's podcast, The Chris Harder Show. I do something fun. Um, Every morning I wake up and I text out a positive 
money mindset or like an affirmation. It's because I, I wake Lori up every morning to an affirmation. I say, babe, I'm happier, healthier, wealthier, more good than I was yesterday. I make her say it back. I mean, every morning, I've never, ever missed a morning. And if I'm traveling, I text it to her when I wake yes. up. And I copy paste it instead of that. Yeah, and then I call her over for copying and pasting. That's my whole Okay. I'm consistent. I'm going to say something real quick. On the way over here, we were preparing questions and Brian was like, yeah, but we don't have to talk about money. We are so uncomfortable talking about money, but you guys, money is freedom. Mm. Money is a way that you can give back. And even this morning, we were trying to figure out how to, you know, ship baby barn clothing over to Turkey for a charity. And that even that takes money, money. to do it. And so people are so uncomfortable talking about money and we will do uh, another series and talk to you because I love how comfortable you make people with talking about it and asking about it because that is something that Brian and I are so, I don't know, resistant to. We've never been able to talk about it. And so, and I hope even today opened everyone's eyes, Um, but definitely tune in to Chris's podcast. I'll put everything in the show notes. Um, It's important. Your success is important for your financial freedom and your family's freedom and your ability to help other people, your family. I love how you guys help everyone around you. You're the most generous people. You work hard so you can give back. Yep. And that, and that is a gift for everybody, you know, and it's beautiful. So, um, okay. Love you guys. Love you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.